Welcome to Business and Happiness Podcast. I'm your host, Bratzo Pobridge. This episode is sponsored by Life Success Academy, a place where you recreate your business and personal happiness. Today, I have a very, very special guest, my friend, my colleague, uh, somebody who's been in this field for many, many years, Dr. Uh, Karen Baruch Feldman. Uh, Karen is a school psychologist. She has her own private practice, and also she's a published author of two books. So Karen, welcome, and thank you so, so much for joining me on Business and Happiness Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Awesome. So today I was thinking that we talk about, I know you're, um, uh, you recently published a book on resilience. It was a workbook, right? Resilience for Kids. Yeah. And I thought, why don't we, that's a great subject to cover, resilience for kids. Is, is that okay? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Awesome. So what is resilience for kids? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> So again, I wrote this book. Um, I wrote my first book pre-COVID. I wrote this book in the middle of COVID. And then I thought for sure when I was writing this book, oh, COVID is going to be in the back view mirror. No one's going to be thinking about it. Well, you know, I, I don't know. Is, is anyone who writes a book knows it takes a long time. But by yes. even once the book came out, we were still dealing with, with things about with COVID. Um, but the definition of resilience that I... Um, you know, there's, again, there's a lot of definitions, but I think all people agree that resilience about is the ability to cope effectively with stress. And um, I think that, you know, our world, even again, even before COVID is, it can be very stressful for kids. Um, as somebody who works in a school, I'm seeing such an increase in anxiety and stress in really mm. young children, second graders who are so stressed stressed about that they may throw up, stressed about, um, you know, talking to people, stressed about going on a play date, stressed about uh, coming to school, just the, you know, all different kinds of um, kinds of ways the stress is coming out, but very, very stressed. So, so let me ask you a question. And, and, you know, when we talk about the stress, honestly, I'm just thinking back when I was a kid. I, how did, where did this come from? I had no stress. I just enjoyed my life, my, my, my childhood, every single day. There was no stress. It was all fun. What happened? What happened? Seriously, like, what the heck? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, I know. I think it's been, a, it, it, it's not only, as I said, it's, it's not, it, it predates COVID. The, the amount yes. of mental health issues is completely on the rise. And that was even before COVID. Yes. But I do think, that again, um, and we talked about this in, in a previous episode, that I do think that parents in general um, are sort of setting out a meta message that their children need to be happy all the time. And I think that that's just not realistic. I don't think that I ever thought that I was supposed to be happy and not bored all the time. And so when a child feels a little uncomfortable, they don't know what to do with themselves and it makes them feel very stressed. And I think that they're also, in addition, I think there are also just stressors in the world that we didn't experience. So like, again, social media, like if so, if there's a school shooting or if there's something bad happening, when I was little, I didn't have that exposure. I didn't really know. I mean, yes, I could watch, you know, 
wait for the evening news to come on the TV and watch it, but it wasn't being broadcast 24-7 from all different countries, you know? And so I think that the exposure to bad things or the bad things that happen in the world is much greater. I think that we're living in a very polarized world where, you know, um, you know, people are canceled and, you know, different, and everyone has very strong points of view. I think that happens. I think environmental, like feeling environmentally, you know, what's happening with our world. You know, I think that generally people feel stressed when they don't feel safe. And so that I think that on some level, our children don't feel the same level of safety in their own um, environments and communities as I think we did when we grew up. Yeah, really sad and and true. And I I, I know, you know, it's easy just to ask what happened, but of course it's much more complicated than just saying, you know, what really happened. Um, You know, before we move to resilience and how how we help based on your advice as kids and and the parents, a question for you, just I was just thinking from my own experience with some friends and so on. Um, does so, so one, one thing you said is you know, we think they just need to be happy all the time, and of course, that's not the idea, and that's not good, right? Uh, that could introduce stress. Um, is, is also our tr- or parents try? to please the kids, meaning that whatever kids want, you know, they're trying to give them, to provide them, to make sure that, you know, even though they don't really need that, whatever that is, does that also introduce stress later on in life? Because I've seen a lot of parents, they're trying, whatever kids want or need, they're trying to, oh, don't worry, you know, like everything will be there. But but in reality, in life, it's not going to be like that. Right. And the way that you become resilient is the process of experiencing stress and then coming out stronger on the other side. However, as a child, if you never get no, if you never, if you want everything and it's always given to you, you don't have the ability to flex those muscles and to learn those skills of coping more effectively with stress. So I, so I, I agree with what, what you're saying. And I do think that parents themselves are also very stressed. Yes. And stress is contagious too. Yes, yes. So that if a parent is feeling dysregulated or a teacher is feeling dysregulated, it's very easy to pick that up and for children to feel that as well. True. And, and now going back full circle, as basically what we're saying is not just that something happened to kids, something happened to all of us, to this world, yeah. since you and I were growing up, and that's what's affecting yeah. a new generation. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense now. It totally yeah. makes sense. Um, so what can kids do, you know, to, to become more resilient, to kind of prepare themselves in life? Because like you said, you and I kind of did a different way. It was different. I mean, especially like, you know, maybe I even did different because I grew up in a different country and with much less than what people have here. And yet, you know, that didn't stop me to be happy and resilient and much more resilient than, you know, that kind of build resiliency really into me by itself. But again, it doesn't mean that everybody who grew up in that kind of environment is resilient. There are some friends who are on the opposite spectrum, right? So it's, it's not that simple. We know that. Right. But what what, right. what 
So I think that first of all, I think there's some like uh, facts that we should, you know, base things on. First of all, the good news is, is that most kids are resilient. So there were a number of longitudinal studies, uh, you know, in all different countries that looked at kids who experienced, you know, real trauma or real, um, you know, real um, disasters and you know, natural disasters or loss of a family member or things like that. And as I said, the good news is that when they look at people over time, that most people are resilient, which I think sometimes gets lost. I think that we then, you know, just worry about this generation of kids who experience COVID and think, oh, what's going to happen to them? It's going to be terrible. But I think we all need to take a step back and remember that most kids are resilient. So I think that that's an important thing. And then for the kids who aren't or are not maybe struggling right now, I also wanted to write this book because what we know is that nobody gets a free ride in this world. At some point, you will have stress, you will have a loss, you will have a challenge. And again, just like we teach reading, writing, and math, I really feel like we should be teaching kids, how do you become a resilient individual? What skills can you learn and develop so you can become more resilient? So again, there's probably obviously a genetic component to this, but just like there's a com genetic component to good readers, and we don't just say for the poor readers, oh, well, forget about you people because you can't read. We yeah. say, okay, what are good readers doing? How do we teach them? So yes. I do think um, we can teach these as skills. And the way I sort of set things up in the book is that um, the first thing that, uh, the number one uh, factor in building resilience in terms of your question is, is what we call having a charismatic adult. Um, this is a term that was uh, developed by uh, Dr. Siegel. It was also further um, developed by Dr. Robert Brooks. And what it means is that having a person in your life who supports you, who is able to see that special quality in you is the number one factor. So you can have terrible things happen in your life. However, if you have a person, it doesn't have to be your parent. It can be a community member. It can be a teacher. It can be somebody. But if you have that person in your life, that is, what is, is the number one factor in terms of, of building resilience. So um, I often share that with teachers because it's been a really hard year, but I think teachers have an, an often like this, this amazing privilege that they can be these, these people for these children. Maybe, you know, something's going on in the family for this child, but that teacher can sort of serve that role, um, which I think is, is just an unbelievable, you know, as I said, it is a privilege. So the number one factor is definitely having support and charismatic, that charismatic adult. The other things that are, are important are, again, having a resilient mindset, a way of thinking about things. Often optimism is associated with resilience. Having a growth mindset is associated with resilience. Um, then it's not enough just to have a mindset. You have to have behaviors. So being flexible, being able to, um, you know, sort of change and, 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 and adapt. I mean, I, I don't have, I always think about flexibility. I don't think we talk enough about flexibility as psychologists, but I just know in my day-to-day -day life, and I'm sure with you too, we all have to be flexible. And some kids are very rigid and it's very hard for them. And so we can teach kids how to have more flexibility. How do you, when things don't go your way, how do you kind of move and not sort of crumble? So, um, and having 
choice and control, those are things that also help with resilience too. When you feel like you have control over things in your life, that is something that's again, associated very strongly um, with resilience. And then the last thing, and it's not the last, it's not least, is again, having structures, having uh, an environment that supports resilience. Sometimes the criticism of both resilience and grit is that you are telling people who already are stressed or already down, down like more for them as an individual to do. And that's never been my intention is just to tell people who are having problems, you know, do more. So I do think it's, I want to be very explicit. I also think we need our society and our communities and our cultures also to do more and to look not only at the individual level, but what we can do environmentally to build resilience. Right. Thank you. This was this was really great explanation. You know, it just remind me when you said uh, charismatic adult, which I haven't really uh, didn't know about it, didn't study that. But, you know, in my resilience study and, and teaching is I have what I call role model. And that's basically seems to be almost the same thing. And I what I and, and, and how I came up with that, I was also I was interested to you know, I was looking at the people who grew up in a, you know, same environment very poor, you know, projects, uh, had one or none parents, you know, maybe one grandparent was the one who was raising them, they really had nobody. And, and I was looking at some of these people, are, you know, unfortunately ended up in a very bad place. And yet, some people who we know are famous and did so well, right. did like extremely well, what's the difference? And mm -hmm. there's only one one major difference between these two group people that had almost yeah. the same. it was a role model. People who right. really succeeded had a role model. Didn't matter, as you said, if that role model was a neighbor on the street, a friend, you know, grandparent, mm -hmm. a teacher, somebody who was truly a role model that they followed. And that's that's right. really, really important. Right. And that's a consistent finding in the research over and over again, whether it's longitudinal or and, and, and across the world. It's not just, you know, an effect here, here. Right. So I think that that factor is, is huge. You know, there are things called ACEs, which are adverse childhood um, events that happen. And, you know, I, I don't know if your listeners are, are familiar with this, but these adverse childhood uh, events, what they found is that they can affect your health and obviously your mental well-being. But what they found is that if you have these positive childhood events, which most of them have to do with relationships, people can still have those adverse childhood events, but they don't have the same impact. So I think that that's something that really is, again, things that we really need to tap into if we want to really build resilience in young people. And the way that I structured the book is that um, the first, um, actually, when I first wrote the book, I really wanted the parent chapter to be in the book because I felt so strongly that resilience starts with the adults. If I'm going to yes. write a book for kids, it has to start with the adults. The adults first have to build their own resilience. Yes. And I wanted them to also know what they needed to do. But when you write a book, there are publishers and they have word count and yes. it was too long. So out went the parent section, but it went online. So it does still exist. And it's, it's, it go, you, you can actually get it free, even if you go to New Harbinger, which is the publisher, or whenever you get the book, there's an online section for parents to build their own resilience. So it starts with parents. 
And then the other thing that I also encourage in this book, because of this whole idea of, of connection, is that there are many activities that the child does with their special adult. It doesn't have to be a parent. It can be the, whoever their special adult is, they can do it. Because almost in doing the workbook, I'm trying to almost recreate um, in this kind of charismatic adult relationship, this relationship where kids can find out from adults about their own experience and learn from them um, and, and sort of grow together. Nice. So, so we talked about book, but I don't think we ever gave them the name oh, of the yes. book, did we? Yes. <laughs> so yes, this is a cover. I thought they did actually a very cute job um, with, with the book. Uh, I don't know if people know, like when you write a book, you have no control over the cover, unless maybe you're really, really famous. But I had no control over the cover. Um, but I was really happy with how the cover came out. And, and I'm sorry, it's called the Resilience Workbook? Resilience Workbook for Kids, yeah. For kids. And yeah. throughout the book, um, I have puzzles in there. And the puzzles, I have to tell you, are tricky. And they're tricky on purpose. Because again, I want kids to experience a little bit of challenge. And that in the activity of filling, doing the puzzles themselves, children will experience resilience. So what I do at the end of the chapter in order, instead of just having like a summary, I have them um, do a crossword puzzle, different kinds of puzzles that use all the material that was in that chapter to kind of reinforce what they learned, but through a puzzle. So, so can you, this is really interesting. Uh, so how, how do they build resiliency through puzzle? I'm just curious what's behind it. How does that work? So for example, like when you're doing a crossword puzzle or a, um, or a different kinds, they're all, as I said, they're all different kinds of puzzles in the book. When you first do the puzzle, you can be stumped. You could be like, okay, like here, I'm just looking here. This is puzzle called what's left puzzle. So you have to cross off all the words that end in the Y column and the A and the C. And then you might be like, I don't know, where is she talking about? A and C, where, how do I do this? And then you have to like, you have to kind of think, you have to kind of work through it. It doesn't happen immediately. Like all the puzzles, they, they take a little bit of thought, they little bit of patience. And that in that working through, you can see that you can be successful, but it's not like junk food or, you know, social media, like instantaneously. And I think today's kids, they don't have that experience of often doing puzzles, although Wordle has, you know, brought back puzzles and things like that. But, but all the puzzles here, they are, as I said, a little bit challenging. You sometimes need to kind of work with your special adult to do them. Um, or, you know, so that's what was what the point was. And the, the other thing that I also have throughout the book is a lot of um, sailing and boating metaphors. Because for me, a lot of times, I think that when people are stressed, I see a lot of, you know, kids, I think they come to me and they want me to, to make their world, like have their water become a lake. And what my job is, is to teach them how to surf. Yeah, and how to I like ride that. those waves. I like that. So, um, so a lot, and, and resilience is a storm. And I use a lot of acronyms in the book. And I basically have what we call the storms approach to resilience, which is S, it starts with adults. T, you teach yourself the skills. O, you own all your emotions. R, you rule your mind. And you M, manage your behavior. And then S, you get support. So that's the storm's approach. 
Um, one of the things that I actually got a lot of feedback about with the book is the whole emotion section. Because a lot of books don't talk a lot about emotions. And I think it's really is important to help young people understand both comfortable and uncomfortable feelings. I know that life has both and that there's value in both. That it's not just that, again, that life is all rainbows and unicorns, but what are the value of feeling sometimes angry? Sometimes anger propels you to do great things. Sometimes you, you're sad because something is really meaningful to you. And then also, on the other hand, how do you pump up those positive emotions? How do you learn to be more grateful? How do you um, notice small things? So again, there's, uh, there is an emphasis in this workbook also about emotions. Yes, yeah, so, so this is a really good point. And I know this often comes up like in my teaching with adults in the programs where, you know, all the emotions are good. There's a reason we have them. It's about what we do with them, right? That's mm -hmm. really the bottom line, right? What do we do with anger? We can change the world because we're angry to, to do the right thing right. or we can smash the wall. So it's all about, at, at least how I see it. And you tell me, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know how, how to teach kids this. That I wouldn't know. <laughs> but I know that that's what it matters. You know, like I know my, my, my grandkid will be like sad or mad. And, you know, his parents will say, you know, it's okay. You are sad. We understand. Right? Mm -hmm. But like the next thing is, in my, what I'm thinking is, what do you do with that sadness? Do you throw the toy? Right? right? Or, you know, do you cry? I mean, right? Is right. that... And I, and I do think that that's important. I feel like that's something I'm often saying, especially at my school, like kids, you know, often come to me because they've done something, you know, they're upset or they've done something wrong. And I always feel like it's important to teach them the power of and. So you, yes, mm -hmm. you, I know that you're angry and sad and you also need to use your words. I know that you're feeling like, again, really worried. And I know you, you need to stay in school because going home isn't going to help. So I think that sometimes people feel, a lot of times kids feel like, I'm angry, I'm sad, I could just do what I want. And no, you can have your feelings and I'm not going to take away your feelings because your feelings are real. And mm -hmm. you can also make better choices that are going to help you both now and in the long run. I'm listening to you and... <laughs> And I'm hearing a lot from my from my son and daughter who are doing so. It looks like they're doing the right thing. They're saying very very similar. They must have they must have learned from you. Maybe maybe yes. Yeah, so I try to encourage people to get rid of the word "but." Kick kick butts yeah. to the curb because when you say "butts." This is just a small little tweak you can do. Like you remember, like I, I know we talk about practical things that you could take away from our talk today to, to change your word, but to end, because when you say, but you're basically, whatever you said before the, but you're yes. basically throwing away. Exactly. It's, right. That's, right. that's a big one. That's a big yeah. one. Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny. Yeah. I used to tease that about, but then yeah, yeah. That's, that's so important. Replace it with the end. Um, yeah, and then so ex and then the children expressing with the words, right? It's absolutely fine. Just you can say whatever you whatever is on your mind. That's fine, right? But you can't do something that could damage yourself or other people. And or property. And, and, <laughs> and don't don't mess up my floor. Uh, <laughs> cool. So um, so we talked about a little bit 
of what what parents can do, right? And 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 then what 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 you do as a psychologist in school. So do you think we already, you know, you mentioned that I don't think we teach these skills in schools. Do we these days? Like, do we teach children how to become more resilient? Like, are there some programs? I think one of the positives about COVID is that I Um, think that, is that now I think that people are noticing that we really, really need to teach these SEL skills. I mm. think that me and you, we were one of the pioneers. We were sort of interested before this stuff was trendy. I was yeah. talking about this even before, you know, 2015, people really weren't talking about this. You know, I was, I, I remember seeing Marty Seligman and he spoke about um, going to parents and educators and saying, what do you want for your children? And people say, I want them to be happy. I want them to be good characters. I want them to be industrious. And then he says, and what do our schools teach? Reading, writing, yes. math. And there's a disconnect. And that was actually where we met at IPEN. Yes, yes. This integration about that schools should be places where we, of course, teach reading, writing, and math. And not buts. And we also teach what we call most most people call SEL skills, which I think resilience is falling into. So I do think there is much more now an interest in directly teaching these these skills to youngsters for them to understand what it is, it and to teach them again because. Don't we all want people, let's say again, employees, don't we want resilient employees? We, we, we want people to be able to come to work and deal with stress and not crumble. I mean, they can be great technically, but if they can't deal with any stress, that's not going to be, you know, very good to have in the workplace. So I do think that these are, are skills that we can teach. And that, that again is sort of my purpose of writing is sort of laying it out, understanding what resilience is. How do you learn that kind of resilient mindset? How do you res- learn resilient behaviors? And how do you also organizationally create a culture of resilience in your, you know, in your in your culture? Yeah, I think, you know, I just give you so much credit. I just think that's so important that you're doing this for the kids. You know, as you said, you know, we've been talking about this for years. I think I published my first resiliency class probably about seven years ago or so. And I, I moved that now into the corporate world and basically combining, you know, employee well-being and the, and the corporate well-being and putting it all together, which a lot of people just don't do. We just talk about well-being, right? Or we talk about, you know, um, uh, what corporation needs to do or the revenue. So but without going to that. So, yeah, yeah. Combining all of that and really getting these life skills and getting kids from young age learning life. Right. And again, just similar similar to you saying about the corporate world, like I think, you know, there are again studies to show that A, first of all, it's the right work to do, that you want kids to have all these skills. And it also helps kids to be better readers, writers, and mathematicians. So, you know, the same thing with the business. You know, yes, it's good to have happy, you know, resilient employees, and they're also more productive. So it's kind of a win-win across the board. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. As long as we put the right spin, you know, because again, you know, I know we're going off the topic, but I guess it's okay. But, you know, in, in the business world, it's all about revenue, money, income, right? Because in reality, that's why business exists, even if it's not for profit mm-hmm. organization, right? So, like, 
Yeah, not only care if you're resilient, but if you can connect that resiliency with the productivity and outcome, then yeah, they'll, they'll do the programs. Uh, this is really, really cool. So I'm so happy that you're doing this, that you published this work, that you're doing this for children, for kids, and you just, you know, uh, um, helping on so many different levels. And we really need more people like you because, because you know, if we start learning this when we're 50 and 60, that's, it's, it's not hard. It's not, sorry, it's not late, but it's harder, right? Yeah. It's really harder. Right. Uh, so that it would be great if we can teach children at the young yeah. age. And, and although I am seeing such an increase in mental health issues in the elementary school, what I'm also just hearing over and over in the news is how challenging things are at the teenage age and how much there's been an unbelievable increase in suicidal behavior, suicidal um, actions. And again, I feel like we're starting too late there. We need to bring it down. We need to have these kids learn, you know, earlier and earlier about how to, to sort of deal with stress. So I think we have to start young and help them to understand that again, that world isn't rainbow and unicorns. I think that most, you know, I say to kids all the time, nobody's walking around with a sign saying, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time, but lots of people are, and just to normalize that. Because I think that people, um, I speak to kids all the time, they always think that everybody else's life is just so pristine. Better, yeah, right. Right. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, it's, it's and, and you know, the, the other thing is, you know, you and I both study and teach and post psychology and happiness and everything, but, but now, you know, what you just said, and I, you know, I was talking about this at one of the engagements a couple of years ago, we still didn't even figure out how to help, you know, you just mentioned suicide, I mean, this is like, Let's focus, help people. I mean, seriously, this is, we don't do enough. I'm happy to see that we're doing more. And I, I know we're kind of ending this on this down note, but it's not, it's, this is all about resilience, right? If we teach right. them these kids, if you teach them resiliency and they can practice, if you will, then the chances right. are we'll have less uh, right. cases yeah. where, you know. Right. Uh, and I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure if you, you, you know this, you may know this about me, but um, so we, we've talked before. And as I said, I, in 2017, I wrote this book about grit and um, I was like on top of my game. I, you know, had gotten like school psychologist of the year and I had written a book and things were going well with my family. And all of a sudden I started to feel really sick. And I was going from doctor to doctor and I just didn't know what was wrong with me. And then I ultimately found out that I had a growth on my pituitary. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was benign, but it was wreaking havoc with my body. And it was basically emitting cortisol. What is cortisol? Stress hormone. And so I was feeling all this stress and um, it was a really difficult time. And ultimately I had surgery, brain surgery, and I'm feeling a lot better, although I still have remnants of it. I still like have a little bit of headaches, um, but that part of, of dealing with that growth is all gone. Um, but I felt like I really felt from that experience that I felt personally what it was like to have stress. My body was like manufacturing it. And I really felt that I could um, share some of the things that I found was helpful for me and um, with younger kids. And so this book is also really personal to me trying to share. And again, I did it with um, a co-author, Rebecca Comizio. 
And Rebecca, from her, you know, her, her life experience, she was a kid who, um, she, her, both her parents were from India. She grew up in a community that didn't have many other parents of, um, from, from India. And um, also her mom had very ser serious mental illness. And what it was like from her experience as a kid um, and what she did to be such a resilient person, because she is a tremendously resilient person. So um, we both like take our own personal experiences um, and what worked for us and what helped and we pour it into, um, into this work. Look, thank you so much for sharing this personal story. You know, I didn't know this and I just get goosebumps just thinking about it, uh, what you must have gone through. And you just said something really, really, I just wrote it down. It's so, so, it, it's just amazing. I don't have, I don't have the right word right now, but you said my body was manufacturing distress and this is what we do to ourselves, right? I, I and, and, and what you and I do, and this is what I love about these discussions. This is not about, let me create a program. This is discussion without agenda, just let's talk. They're real. The things come up that we say, which is real, and, and, uh, and that we use this our real life experience to help ourselves and to help other people. And now that you said that, so I want to share something. It's not as you know dramatic, but like I, as since I started, you know, last um, I guess it's been about a year that I do this full time officially since January first. Now we are what 2022. But the greatest thing what I can do now is um, I I also get a lot. We all get the stress. I mean, don't think that you know we know all this stuff and go oh, we're so resilient and that happens to us. Not true, right? We get stressed all the time, all of us. But like, I try to manage it. So the best thing I do now during the day could be like, I get up early, you know, I'm five o'clock exercise, meditation, office, right? But like 11 o'clock, I feel like I'm stressed out. I take a nap today before this, you know, we had 3.30, we said we're going to get together. But around one o'clock, I go, let me sleep an hour or so, right? But I'm, I'm helping myself and my body to say, I know I'm already stressed out. There's no reason to introduce more stress. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to manufacture a ton of cortisol and ton of stress. So this is right. really, really important. Uh, right. But again, I, I really like because this is this is real uh, what what you and I do, and uh, and I appreciate again sharing a story and pe people can connect with this and uh, hopefully help themselves and help their children become more resilient. And this is thank yeah, you so, that's so much. my hope. <laughs> All right, thank anyway. you so, so much for sharing. This is so, so wonderful. I'm sure there are, there are just so many great, great ton of advices that you give to, to children and to parents, grandparents, and every, all the rest of us that always deal with kids one way or another. Yeah. Thank, thank you so again. Become the Life Success Academy founding member. Go to academyoflifesuccess.com and click on founding member to get 60% off full membership.